nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Karim Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Times ended up almost looking like a 6-3-1. Some very good writing about that on the Managing Madrid website. Frustrate podcast as well. Of course, Pere Valverde was a huge part of the equation. Hello and welcome to a December 30th edition of the Managing Madrid podcast. We are here on a Friday night after Real Madrid beat Real Valladolid away from home in what was the first game back after the World Cup and also the last game of 2022. We are jumping into the new year with a W. Hope everyone stays safe during the new year and you guys are all healthy and you're doing well and you enjoy that victory. And it's a nice occasion too because we are getting Matt Wiltsey back for the first time in a long time. I mean, you did appear, Matt, in a couple of podcasts during the World Cup to talk about Brazil. Uh, but this is just the first Real Madrid postgame show in, in, I think, 50 days or something, which is a long time in our world. So welcome back, Matt. Let's talk about this W. How you doing? Hey, Kian, doing well. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice to be back. It's nice to have Real Madrid back. It's It feels like we're kind of reverting back to the norm here. And um, even some of the patterns you saw in this game, I thought, were some of the same themes we've seen. And sometimes it just feels like when you're watching even some of these old Premier or some of these Premier League games from from the weekend, even those games, it just feels like we picked up right where we left off. Um, and so I enjoyed this one. I thought I going into it, you know, I kind of had like the TSFP guys ringing in my ear because they kept Phil particularly Phil Kitramilides kept talking about. Um, how Valladolid has the coldest stadium and that it's going to be December 30th when Real Madrid return at Valladolid, like something, it could be a banana peel. And you know what? It was, it was a really tough game, but all in all, I think Real Madrid definitely deserved to win this game. Well, as Ewan McTeer pointed out in his post-game piece, the three questions and three answers, um, Real Madrid in their last three games against Real Valladolid have, uh, won by just a one nil margin. And so it's not, and, and honestly, I, w- I was trying to remind myself, like, where did we leave off again? And I remember, oh yeah, it was that game at Vallecas, uh, which we were completely dominated against Raya Vallecano when we lost that game. And you look at this game and you mentioned like recurring patterns and stuff. Yeah. It almost seemed like we kind of just took off where we left off. Um, I know a lot of the discourse was like, okay, how will Real Madrid respond after the World Cup? We know about the all-too-familiar World Cup dip in form once players return. But also we're keeping an eye on the players who did not go to the World Cup and were kind of just, we were just curious to see like what would be the rhythm of Benzema, of Cruz and Alaba and these guys who did not go to the World Cup. But at the same time, like there was a combination of that, but also like some of the recurring patterns of the season, as you put it, Missing some chances, some sloppy passes in transition, having difficulty breaking down defensive blocks, suffering in transition a little bit, conceding set-piece headers, getting Courtois miracle saves to keep us in the game. Felt like just this was, yeah, this was kind of what was happening all season. And uh, for now, we're first place with this win until Barca. We'll see what they do against Espanyol tomorrow. Um, We can start with from the beginning, Matt. We, ha- we got the starting lineup a couple hours in advance, whatever it was. 
Militao a late scratch before kickoff due to injury. So Rudiger steps in. Is this the lineup you kind of more or less expected uh, for the first game back? Uh, um, well, I think it was Alaba that stepped in, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. But either way, like, You're I was right. just surprised yeah. Militao was the one was starting because you have, obviously, we have these three world-class center backs and they're kind of rotating. And given that Militao was the one guy that went deeper in the World Cup, I would have thought it would have just been Rudiger and Alaba anyways to start. Um, so I don't, did, did news come out? I didn't, I don't know if I saw it. Was Militao injured or what, do we know what happened? Uh, I don't, I, I haven't checked to see what the extent of the injury or what the diagnosis was, just that he was injured kind of last minute. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know why it's not that surprising. I don't know why he was starting in the first place, but I, I've seen going back to some of these Premier League games. I mean, Perisic who went all the way with Croatia started for Tottenham, played a full 90 minutes. Like there's a lot of these guys out there. So I guess they're just throwing them, keeping their match rhythm going, and then maybe they'll get a break elsewhere in the season. Um, but yeah, other than that, like I thought it was pretty standard. I guess you could say Vinicius Jr. also starting was maybe a little bit of a surprise. But other than that, I thought it was pretty standard. And I wanted to see Alaba, Cruz, and particularly Benzema. And I think you talked about themes. I think a theme that stood out in this one was the rust, still a little bit of rust from Benzema. And I, again, I know I said at the start of the season, I'm not worried about it, and I'm still not worried about it. I think Benzema just needs to get match rhythm back. I think he needs continuity. If you think about it, Keon, he hasn't played like consistently since probably May. Um, so that's almost six months. Like, of course, it's there's going to be rust. Um, and so I think... I, I don't think it's down to age or decline or anything like that. I just think he just needs to get match rhythm back. Give him three, four, five games. He got two goals today. That will help. But I think you saw it as early as the ninth minute. Um, that one time, or actually, sorry, that was the Asensio miss. The 16th minute was when uh, Benzema missed that one that um, Vinny kind of like pass shot and yeah. Masi parried it. And then Benzema right at the six-yard box blasted it over like, that last year, Benzema, every single day of the week, you bet your house, that's a goal. So I think those types of things, that will iron itself out. I don't think it's down to decline or anything like that. Like, I just think give Benzema a little time and he'll be back. These two goals today will definitely do his confidence some good. That one was a crazy miss, especially because, like, on the replay, I was expecting maybe it got deflected, something happened. But he just, it looked like he just kind of leaned back when he was shooting it. And it was a shocking miss. And and I, honestly, I, I feel a little bit silly sitting here and saying, Benzema had a poor game when he scored the two goals of the game. He scored a brace to win it. Um, I, I guess that's just the reality. I, I feel like um, pretty much up, there was that really, really nice cut in and far post curler shot that he had before he scores the penalty. That was the first moment where I felt like, okay, Benzema, we got like the real Benzema for a second here. But up until that point, given goals were a little off, the link up play was a little bit off. Passing and transition was a little bit poor. Um, touches were a little bit poor. There was one occasion in the second half where Vinicius is sprinting on a breakaway on the overlap and he doesn't get the ball to him. Um, but I am not worried about him. And look, I, I I made up my mind going into this game that I'm going to expect some rust. And now that, like, you know, if you if you logically think about it, Matt, the players in the World Cup, maybe they're more tired or whatever, but they're also in more match rhythm than the players who did not go to the World Cup. And in a lot of ways, I feel like this game in particular may have been more difficult to play 
than a, like an opening season game, for example, like the first game of the season. And, and I say that because at least in the first game of the season, you're you're playing preseason games. You have some kind of match rhythm. This was just like cold turkey. You took a month off. You're just playing these scrimmages um, with the teammates who stayed behind. You had those closed door friendlies, I think an hour each against some La Liga teams. So I think it was a difficult thing to just get back and pick up the pace just like that. And I think the troubling thing with Benzema, or at least the, the struggle with him has been that it's been a lot of start, stop, start, stop, start, stop with him. He hasn't had the momentum, the string of games to get himself into rhythm. Every time he's come back and he struggled, it, it just, it, you, you, we keep saying like, we're not worried. Just give him some time, a, a block of matches to get going. And I think the great thing about today was that he scored two goals from a, from a quote unquote poor game. And that's, that's always a good sign for me. Um, I, but I, I was like, and we can jump around all over the place in this game, but there were a couple of players who did not go to the World Cup who I actually was impressed with. I, th- I think Ceballos had a, had a pretty solid first half, nearly had an assist with a great turn. His pressure, his energy was was good as it always is. Cruz in this game, and I don't know if you, I think, I think you kind of classify this, I do anyway, as a quiet Cruz game. He just goes about his business, plays in the anchor role today. And I and don't get me wrong, I actually thought defensively the positioning from and, and the coverage of that zone 14 for us defensively was a little bit wonky and jaded. And we were letting free runners at the top of the box. Even when Kamavinga came in and Kamavinga is a big storyline this game, he had a really good game off the bench. You could clearly see he's not really comfortable in that role defensively. Um because him and Cruz were playing kind of interchangeably at some points the second half when he came in. Anyway, my, my point about Cruz was he defense overall was pretty good behind the ball. And he you go through the numbers, 103 passes. Out of the 103 passing attempts that he had, he only misplaced three passes. He completes 100 of them. Game high in touches, game high in key passes, seven of seven long balls, just quietly a a really good cruise game. And I think maybe that, I don't know if anyone talked about it, if it went noticed or unnoticed. I know most of the praise in this game was about Courtois and Benzema after the game from Carlo Ancelotti, Kamavinga off the bench, obviously. But Cruz, Loki, had just had a really, really, really solid game. Yeah, I think in possession, he was the go-to guy. And that's kind of what I noticed. I mean, we always know that with Cruz, but I think in this game in particular... There were times where we saw Viadoli defending deep. They had numbers back. It was a low block we were trying to get through. And I was actually a little disappointed in guys like Fede Valverde, um, maybe even like Benzema to a degree, um, Asensio to a degree, where I felt like they didn't take the impetus or try anything um, in that final third. They didn't try to play a killer ball, make a ball-carrying sequence in that zone 14. And instead, they just dished it off back to Cruz. And they're like, Cruz, you you dictate this. You find the hole. And, like, yes, he's the best passer in the world. And, yes, he's our tempo guy and everything like that. But I felt like some of the other guys could have taken more responsibility in that final third rather than just put, piling it all on Cruz. Um, and then defensively, you mentioned it. Um, I mean, he's never going to be – he's different to a Casemiro or to a many in that role. He's never going to be the guy who's just – sniffing things out naturally and and just coming in with a sliding tackle to destroy uh, a counterattack or whatever it may be. 
And there were moments I, I have it in my mo notes. Like there were a lot of moments I felt like in transition where we noticed that, and we did get caught out one or two times. And it wasn't that Cruz didn't he he had the right intentions, but I felt like he just always got to the spot a little too late. And so Valladolid were able to play through, or um, even like think about that turn from Roca Mesa early in the game um, that he had on on Tony Cruz. It was because Cruz got his body positioning there a little too late. Um, and so he recognized that Mesa was behind him and just wasn't able to make that adjustment in time. And there were a number of things like that where I was like, ah, you know, you notice the difference versus a guy like Casemiro in there because uh, he just always gets those perfectly timed and just knows exactly where to be. And in transition, we don't suffer as much. And so um, I think, I think that's kind of, by the by, though, with Cruz in that position, you know what you're going to get on the ball and you know what you're going to get defensively. And it's just the pros and cons, just like it was with Casemiro, there are pros and cons. And so I think in this game, given the World Cup, given uh, the the um, injuries and everything like that, it probably made sense to play him. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to play your 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 guy like 11 in a game like this. But <clears throat> it's funny enough to many who obviously had a pretty uneventful game. He comes in at the end. He has like five touches. And one of his first touches was a tackle right in front of Real Madrid's box. And you can kind of see what he brings to the table in those situations. Um, I did, you touched on a point there and, and you mentioned Fede Valverde. He was definitely one that I was underwhelmed with. Again, going into this game, I, I was pretty accepting of the fact that I think we were going to have poor performances from certain players. And I was okay with that given the situation. But Fede was poor. And, I, and I'd also say, like, I'm going back to my notes now. Fede, the first note I have him have on him is in the 25th minute. He makes an excellent pass and move sequence in the right half space. He's called incorrectly for offside. Um, and then he has another one of those in the first half. But he only appeared like twice there by my notes. And both times he gave Vitaly problems. And I just feel like we didn't get enough of it. And we didn't get enough of the right side in particular. And Asensio was was not too involved. Everything, you mentioned everything going through Cruz, but everything was also going through Vinicius on that left side. And I think we just needed, there was too much burden on Vinicius in this game, as has been the case so many times this season with Benzema's injuries. There's just a lot on his shoulders to create. He has no space to work with. There's multiple defenders marking him. And I actually thought he did well. And I also just want to point out, I will take no Vinicius slander in, in a game like this. I thought he was great again. I, I, and maybe there's people complaining about like, oh, he should have passed here or he should have done this or he should have scored. He didn't have an assist. He didn't have a goal. The guy was just going at Vital Leeds wingbacks all game. If you look at his heat map, I didn't check it by the end of the game. If you look at his heat map at the end of the first half, it's just a giant ball inside of Vital Leeds box. Like he's getting into the box over and over and over and over again, and I saw a couple of people, a couple of people singing the praises of the the right back Fresneda, uh, including Pacheta, which was Vallejo's coach after the game. He had a fine game, but Vinicius was getting into so many dangerous positions despite having no space to work with. Some of his dribbling was incredible, and. I, again, there's just so much on his shoulders, on his plate, when you're not, especially the way Benzema was playing up until the end, he wasn't getting much help. And that's why I was like, I think you kind of need to get some a Rodrigo action in here, I thought. Um, 
turns out I think Kamavinga was the biggest difference maker off the bench, and we'll, we'll talk about him. But just someone to maybe go over to the left, overload that side, or do something from the right. And this, the other concern, Matt, is Carvajal is still not Carvajal. I mean, it's, it's kind of a poor game from him today as well. So we just didn't get anything from the right side. And in so many games, Fede has been the guy that can carry that load. But Fede was off today too, and I think it showed. Yeah, I mean, a lot to unpack there. I think on Vinicius, I com- I wholeheartedly agree with you. Like, I think I wrote about it in my player ratings. I think uh, Fresnada, like, I think he did a great job. He probably did the best of any La Liga defender uh, this year up against Vinicius Jr. But Vinicius Jr. still managed to create a ton of opportunities and create chaos inside the Valladolid box. And, like, that's just the type of player he is. Like, no matter how well you defend against him, you're still probably not going to be able to stop him for a full 90 minutes. And, uh, I mean, you think about the fact that he, we talked about that shot he had where he parried it. He then, um, if you remember, Courtois makes this, like, unbelievable save from a corner kick in the 67th minute, Sergio Leon, Leon header. Um, literally less than 60 seconds later, Vinicius Jr. is up the other side of the pitch, um, carving people inside the box, and he just, his chip goes just over the goal. Um, but, like, that's what he brings. As good as Fresnado was, you still can't contain Vinicius for a full 90 minutes. And I think, uh, I agree. Like, I think he was really, really good. Um, Fede, disappointed. Disappointed. I, I think I mentioned earlier that he just didn't, I felt like he didn't take more responsibility in this match. Uh, wanted to see him kind of try and be that spark in the final third and maybe bring something different. And um, we see when he and Asensio play together, one of the tactical kind of tweaks uh, Angelotti likes to have them do is do that interchange and get Asensio some time in the middle and Fede get back out wide. Um, and they did that from time to time, but there was no real great effect to it, um, I felt like. And so to your point, the right side of the pitch was kind of a dead end for us. Um, it wasn't until Lucas Vasquez came. I actually thought Lucas Vasquez was the right sub because he came on and basically played as a right winger rather than a right fullback. And it allowed Rodrigo to drift in centrally. And it just gave us that additional man in the final third. Valladolid was giving us that space and Carvajal just, it looked like he didn't have the engine in him. Like there was one play. Um, I think it may have been a or Valverde who like played him a ball down the line and he just didn't, he didn't even have the engine to go after it. And I was like, ah, oh, man, that's, that's not like Carvajal. And so um, probably he and Valverde for me were the two standouts as poor performers. Um, I just didn't feel like we got enough out of them. The thing, like the subs in the second half, Tamavinko's a standout. But Vasquez, in a way, I thought was really important. And I don't, and it, and, and it's in a weird way, it's not because he was great in a vacuum, but I think it's because he did things that Carvajal didn't do. Just simple things like provide width in the final third and go at the wing back and try to get balls in and move in the half space and just be an offensive presence. And I don't think Carvajal was that in the second half. And obviously, some of that will have to do with game state. But he did at least provide that energy on the right. And we can complain about the efficiency of him. But from an intent perspective and his a presence perspective, I thought Vasquez was actually really important as a sub in the second half. Um, 
And yeah, and when Kamavinga came in, he was doing things that Fede just wasn't doing or Fede normally does. And and one of those key things was just the energy and the ball carrying. You know, that was really important in the second half. Um, what did you see in the first half in terms of just interesting wrinkles, interesting things, uh, maybe defensively, offensively? What did you think of the back line? We haven't spoken about the back line yet. Any notes? Yeah, so a couple things. One on Madrid and then one on Valladolid that I found interesting. Um, so Madrid, I we basically are defending. So for the most, except when we got caught in transition, for the most part, Madrid would kind of regain their shape, drop in, and we'd set our line of confrontation, meaning like when we would engage with the opponent, when we would actually go out and press them. We set our line of confrontation kind of around the top of the center circle, sometimes even deeper than that, like the bottom of the center circle. Um, and so the team would just kind of sit in sh their defensive shape and wait. We didn't press high. We didn't um, kind of really go after it. There were a few ad hoc moments when a player would decide to press high. But for the most part, we tried to draw a via delete out and have them carry the ball forward, come into our half so that we could take advantage of that space in behind and spring a Vinicius or an Asensio in transition if we had the opportunity. Um, and so I found that interesting. I found the fact that, okay, we're, I mean, Ancelotti, we know it's kind of hit or miss with the press. And so for the most part, he does like to have the team sit and absorb and then use Vinicius. So it, it makes sense. Um, but then on the flip side, Valladolid, I was surprised at, when they chose to press and the fact that they did, did even press us. So if you notice, they pressed us really high on all of our goal kicks. Um, and we struggled, we really struggled to get out. There was even one moment where I noted where Cruz, uh, actually got on the ball and just lobbed the ball to Benzema. And it was kind of, it was a poor ball and he had nothing else on and Viadali ate it up and came right back at us. And if, um, the foul early in the first half that Carvajal had where he dragged a player down right outside our box, yeah. that came from Valladolid pressing us off a goal kick. Um, and that was a lazy play from Carvajal, and he just he he lost the ball, and he decided, you know what, I'm just going to take this guy down uh, rather than actually defend him. And so I think that's a credit to Pacheta and this Valladolid team. They recognize that, hey, this is an area where maybe we can get at Real Madrid. They're not as press-resistant as they used to be. And I think I've noticed in the film that we can take advantage of them on, on their own goal kicks. And so it'll be interesting to see if other teams start to pick up on that and if they start to start to do that more often or if we improve in that at that area. Because that's always been something where we've been able, like at our peak, at Real Madrid's peak, especially you think of Zidane 16, 17, like we could play through that no problem. Um, and in more recent years, it's been a bit of a struggle. And I think tonight it, it was the same and i give Valladolid credit they didn't just obviously they sent a low block a, a lot of the time but they picked and chose their moments to press and and it did work well between them and and recently Rayo Vallecano there has been the alternative blueprint like there's so much complaints about you know we hate facing low blocks we're not good at breaking them but there's also this there's this perspective too where we do tend to struggle sometimes against teams like this who actually will go at us. Raya Vallecano provided a great blueprint for some La Liga teams to make a case that you can actually go at us. You can actually, you can actually press us without getting too exposed in transition. 
Pacheta was speaking about this before the game. He said, we're not going to change our game plan. We believe we can stop their transition attacks. Um, ultimately, I, I think a lot of this will come down to firepower and a team like Valladolid, the reality is as much as they tried and they had like a, a decent volume of shots, but they didn't like, they didn't really have a huge chance, you know? If you think back to this game, was there like a chance where they were like, I can't believe they missed that. You know, they had the Sergio Leon header. They had yeah. the, the, who was that it that shot out? Shot. Ivan Sanchez, I, I think it was, in the 20th minute, yeah. that Courtois save. Like, I can't yeah, those are the two. Yeah. yeah, those are the two good saves from Courtois. But it's not yeah. like, to your point, it's not like those were point-blank opportunities, much like ours were in the six-yard box. Um, theirs were re- just really good efforts, more so than high XG opportunities. Well, and and I thought, like, and I thought Rudiger and Alaba had a good game for the most part too. Their coverage was pretty good, um, and I, there was space behind Mendy for for Valladolid to get in behind him. I thought the coverage was good from our central defenders. Again, I, I think the the chances we conceded were, I think a lot to do with not having a true many type presence in transitions, yeah. but also just covering that zone. And how much you did know, you love uh, Rudiger's little one-on-one sprint with Sergio Leon where Sergio Leon tried to like manhandle him and Rudiger didn't have any of it. <laughs> there's no chance. It, it's, you can't it's, take Rudiger on physically. No, it's super satisfying. Poor, poor Sergio Leon had a terrible, terrible night, which we'll, yeah. we'll get to. Um, the other thing is, uh, for all this poor performance type of thing, I mean, I mean, I I think it's safe to say we thoroughly deserve this victory by the end of it. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. I I so will I think, say, I think they yeah. did finally did do a, a decent job for the most part to limit clear cut chances in open play, or at least a large volume of them. But we still got to our spots. We had the Rudiger far post at the header. In the first half, we had the Benzema pretty much open net miss uh, in the first half. We had a, a penalty that could have gone our way, which we didn't get a call in the first half. That's three big chances there. Then in the second half, we, we you know, obviously we took over at the end. But yeah, what were you going to ask? Uh, no, I was just going to say, because I was looking at this earlier. Um, I mean, if you even if you just look at it from the XG perspective, like... Mm-hmm. You take out the penalty. So overall, our XG was 2.53 versus Valladolid 0.54. But if you take out the penalty, we're closer to like a 1.5, 1.6. And still, yeah. that tells you right there. We regardless, The penalty was fully deserved, so I don't think you should take it out. Um, you could argue there should have been another penalty. But um, that that tells you like this, as much as people may want to say that this was a poor performance. And if we went on to draw this game, like it looked like we may have in the 80th minute, if we went on to draw this game, like there would have been uproar, but in reality, we would have won this. We would have won. We would win this game nine times out of 10. Um, And we deserve to win this game. And I didn't, I didn't think it was a poor performance. I think you had individual poor performances and some rust sprinkled in, which we've talked about, but collectively we did enough. Too, and you had those moments from Vinicius, from Ceballos, that turn in the box that you mentioned, um, the the handball calls. Like we had enough moments where we did enough to to see this over the edge and definitely deserved it. I like the thing is like you see a lot of takes like oh if Real Madrid plays this way against Liverpool or this they're gonna lose like 
we can't just keep doing this after every game. Like, how many times have we... The bottom line is you just need to win these games. That's it. It's a tough stadium to play for Real Madrid. It's a, it's a tough grind-out league, week in, week out. The first game back after the World Cup. You just got to grind it out sometimes, and you do that. And, you know, I, I just don't like when we go to those places. We we do this before every time we win the Champions League, there's conversations like this if we play like this against this team. That's just how it works. Everyone raises their game. They lower their game. There's rotations. There's injuries. Momentum shifts game to game, week to week. You just need to get the W when they did that, and it was a solid performance. And they did a good job of limiting chances, and they scored two goals, and they, they probably could have scored more. But 2-0, I think, is a deserved result. Um, the, I, I don't like, we can spend like maybe maximum three minutes talking about it. Part, it, it just kind of weird to me that the, the, the dialogue and discourse over that handball and handballs in general is so crazy on one level. I get it because I think handballs are the hardest call in football. It's open to interpretation. There's different, like, uh, there's different interpretations based on the referee you get sometimes it goes to var sometimes it doesn't the first half one went to var and or didn't go to var and the second one did then there's this outrage Sergio Leon loses his mind and when you look at it like technically I think it's the correct call so I'm just I'm just not sure like what why Valladolid went into that complete meltdown mode and I, and I think that was their, to their to their detriment yeah, and I mean, you're not at from a Valladolid perspective. What if Benzema misses that penalty, or what if um, you can still nick one last opportunity in the final minutes of the game, and you need your striker Sergio Leon there? Like it was really daft from him to to do that. And, and um, to your point, yeah, it was a nailed on penalty. There was arguably one earlier. Um, I think the images revealed afterwards that it probably wasn't a penalty, but still, um, there was there was some debate around that, and you just when it goes to VAR, it's hard. I mean, <laughs> with Spanish referees, I can't say this, but it's hard to uh, it's hard to deny that. Like the images are there, so um, yeah, I just think from a Valladolid perspective, really, really, and from a Sergio Leon perspective, who was their most dangerous player, who was the one guy that they could probably rely on for anything in transition or to just kind of pull something out of the bag. And it was really, really daft. And I think, um, yeah, you just can't, especially when that type of team, when you're fighting for every single point and you're working to get something against Real Madrid, like you just, you can't leave it to that chance. Yeah, and look, there's, there's bad calls all the time in La Liga. There's bad calls by VAR, bad calls by the referee. And so I'm not going to say that every call is perfect or whatever. Of course not. But definitely in that one, like the Valladolid really did themselves a disservice by melting down in that situation. The other thing I've been thinking about, though, is that like we can talk about what's the rule and what should be the rule. Like if you want to get into that debate. By the rule, the way it was explained is that the the ball the arm is out makes contact with the ball changes the trajectory of the ball penalty easy i also i i don't know if there's a way to be lenient with because i don't think javi sanchez has any idea what's going on where the ball is where his hand is he's just jumping for a header and i i, I do kind of wonder like 
is there a way to make those situations less harsh for the harsh for the defensive team? You know, if you're going up, you have no idea where your hand is. You have no idea where the ball is. It's not intentional. Um, I don't know. I, I had I had seen someone suggest to me at one point, I forget who it was, that maybe we should just do what basketball does. Basketball, if if the ball hits someone's foot, no matter if it's intentional or not, the game stops and we just we put the ball down and we we and then we bring it back in <clears throat> there's no one and i don't know if that's a solution or not because it my point is that so much of this is still open to interpretation the handball rule is not consistently called case in point we saw in the first half or second half we've seen it in different games in la liga be that exact thing being called sometimes not being called and i just wonder if there's a way to just no matter how you spin it the handball is the hardest one because it's still no matter what you do, open to interpretation, unless you just literally say, okay, it doesn't matter what the intent was, what the trajectory was. If it hits the hand, we stop, we stop the play. Now it becomes complicated if it's a penalty kick. And then that begs a whole different philosophical question. Should every call in the box be a handball? Uh should be a penalty? Maybe you just put the ball down and have a free kick. I don't know. Just kind of brainstorming here. This has been on my mind for for a long time. I, I don't know what the solution is. Yeah, I think it's just, I think it sounds like you're coming from the perspective of the penalty on top of already losing that up, like potentially losing possession or whatever it is. The the sequence, the, the game stops, there's a stoppage and you get a penalty. That's a harsh call. Am I, am I right? Is that I like guess what I'm saying, saying is that it like there's a there's the kind of handball that Luis Suarez does in the World Cup against Ghana. Yeah. And then there's this where you're going up for a yeah. That's what, and yeah. then they have the same punishment. Although no, I mean Luis Suarez is a clear red card, so the punishment is different. Yeah. But I guess I just wonder, like, should both of those be equally punishable as a penalty? Yeah. Is my is my my question? I guess. I, yeah. Again, it to your point, it, it goes back to interpretation, though all of it, and mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, because you know, you know, you know you know the players in the game like eventually people will find ways to make it look like or deceive the referee on him like if you start to change the interpretation to be like extra deliberate versus not guys will find ways to like make it look like they they weren't deliberate when they were it's the hardest rule in football in my opinion it's the hardest one to to get it i agree i come up with a good solution uh all right so we we talked enough about that but um we got it out of the way do we want to talk about Kamavinga or do you want to tackle some other stuff first? Uh yeah, let's let's talk about Kamavinga. Uh I kind of, it's funny because and I it's so easy for me to say this after the fact and I'm not tooting my own horn here but I wrote in my notes like right at the start of the second half it looked like I said good game for Kamavinga the more this opens up and the higher we start to press because we were starting to come out of our shell a little bit and the game was getting a little bit more chaotic. And we know that Kamavinga thrives in that type of chaos. And sure enough, he comes on and does what Kamavinga does in chaos in the second half performance, super sub type performance. Yeah, there's a lot of chatter after a game like this of like, well, has Kamavinga earned a starting spot? Should he should should he be in the starting line? I'm like, just let's I, I like him like just off in this role. I really like I keep going back to that Carlo Ancelotti quote from earlier this season where he said when the game is broken and Kamavinga comes in with his energy, he can change the game. 
Yeah. You and I did not have a chance to talk about his left back cameos in the World Cup. But as unlikely and as um just as much of a criminal act as it was from Didier Deschamps to put him there, <laughs> the guy balled out. He balled out, put his heart on the field, and understandably just kind of was lost at certain times, but just put in yeah. a, an incredible shift. And in the World Cup final, he was amazing. But I, I think um I just really like him in this role. Uh, just bring him in off the bench whenever uh, in the second half, and, and the game state will probably suit him. He can take advantage of it. The the assist he had, Matt, and we can go back before this, is he was just doing things. He was carrying the ball. His his passes were tidy. He was trying to, trying to look vertical. Uh, by the time he gets the assist for the second goal, and this is um, obviously uh, Fresneda, who we, we spoke about earlier in the podcast, who did a decent job on Vinicius, he looks like a turtle in, in, a, in, a, in a quicksand, <laughs> like trying to catch up to Kamavinga. <laughs> and Kamavinga looks like he has a speed boost. Like it's not even close. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, give and go with Modric and just gets goal side of Fresneda and just torches him. And it's a, it's a great game for the Kamavinga agenda. Yeah, and he was actually playing left wing at that point because uh, Modric came off for Vinicius Jr. And so, uh, and Kamavinga really did his best Vinny impression, the the one two, and then just yeah. burn your man and uh, find the final pass. And so, yeah, I like you. I didn't love him at the left back. I'm not a I'm not a proponent of the left back experiment. But when he gets into positions and like you can't. Like, we know we can't think of the game just strictly in positions. Oh, I'm a left back or like uh, that's so I do these functions. No, like when he got into positions or spaces within the field that he normally occupies, that's when he did really well in the final. And that's when he really did well in the one game he played, the the third round game, Um, because he was occupying positions he normally feels comfortable in and, and does well in and like dribbling from deeper positions, beating three guys, breaking lines, ball carrying. Like that's what he does with Real Madrid and with, in his kind of natural habitat, we could call it. Um, And so um, it's not that he should now play left back or excels there. No, he excels in certain spaces. And so in order to optimize him, like you got to put him in the right spot um, and the right context right game state as you mentioned like and we as carlo said he thrives when when the game is kind of going back and forth it's it's chaotic and there are some tired legs in there that's when he can come in and do his damage and so i yeah i personally haven't seen enough from him like i don't think his game is well-rounded enough at this point to be a starter to take it off a guy like cruz modric or chua many and so uh, right now, I'm like you. I, I really like him in this in this role, and I think um, I know he's recently came out and said he doesn't want to be a super sub all his life, and he won't be. But what you're 20, 20 years old right now, like this is at Real Madrid. Like by I know it's it's hard to zoom out now, and you think about the day to day, but bide your time. Like take advantage of play this role and have the right attitude, and your time will come. Like you'll continue to develop and. Carlo has been fair and trying to rotate and give him starts here and there. And so uh, I'm sure he was disappointed that Ceballos started over him tonight, but um, this is like these types of performances and these types of games are are where he really does well. 
Yeah, I just I just love him in this role. It's and it's not to say he can't be a good starter. It just it just means that right now this role really suits him. Like it, it's it's really good and it, it helps the team. And I think it actually helps him too. It it puts less pressure on him and it also the game state suits him. And quite frankly, if I was a Rams player, I'd actually be I'd actually probably convince myself that I'd rather come in off the bench because no matter who comes in off the bench, they seem to be game changers. The game state always suits the bench mob. Uh, this that was the case in the Champions League run last season too. I kind of wanted to just be a bench player if I was a Real Madrid player, not like a Mariano bench player, but like a Camavinga bench player. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it, again, it goes back to like the what we talked about at the top of the podcast, like these themes from the start of the season, which kind of ran off from the end of last season as well was like the bench mob and the bench coming in and Carlo getting the changes right. And that, that again is a theme right now, right after the world cup and we're picking up right where we left off. So um, I think we'll, we'll just continue to see more of that. It, it kind of feels like the season never stopped. Yeah. Um, okay. What else did you want to hit on in this game? Anything? Um, let me look at my notes real quick. I think uh, I think we do. I know we kind of mentioned him, but Thibaut Courtois, like those two saves yeah. were huge. Um, it 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 good for him to finally get a clean sheet. I mean, we that will uh, in a deviation from themes. We finally get a La Liga clean sheet, so that was huge. I'm sure it's happy for him, and maybe this will start a run now in La Liga. Um, and I mean, he, those saves were were fundamental to that. Um, I don't know if we really talked about Asensio that much, but I thought I thought kind of like Ceballos, he had a better first half than second half. I thought both of them, their little flicks and deft touches, and like Asensio had a little back heel in the box that came off. Like I thought that those little stuffs were actually working in the first half, but I felt like he faded out more and more as the game wore on, and. For me, he just didn't like if you're if you're fighting tooth and nail, one for that renewal and two for that spot with Rodrigo, I just you gotta see more. You gotta see more from him. Um and I, I felt like we didn't get much tonight. Yeah, I I thought we didn't get enough from him. Um and and I I guess he was like probably slightly better than Fede, maybe, if you want to put it that way. But that there wasn't enough going through that side it, it just wasn't eventful enough and i i think i just think you needed more um and on that note I, I don't really have that much on rodrigo either i mean rodrigo um had some good movement here and there got into the right half space a little bit i thought he looked a tiny bit rusty too just like uh, he was he wasn't that impactful either unless i missed something i don't know if you saw anything anything on him I just think he, at least for me, and maybe this is my own bias coming in, I don't know. Um, I just thought he was combining a little bit more than, like like he was looking for those one-twos way more than Asensio was. And um, I don't know if you remember this, it was kind of a, a unique play, but there was one moment, Rodrigo was on and Fede was still on, and Fede kind of does his, he's out on towards the right wing and he does a low-driven ball, Um kind of towards the top of the box and Rodrigo does a, like a Cruyff, almost a back heel flick that ends up to Benzema and Benzema 
without Russ would have nailed that and would have had a goal, but he was just slow to react to it. His reflexes just, I think that's what the commentator said. Like his reflexes just weren't there on that one. They were slow. Um, and so like little things like that um, from Rodrigo, I liked, and I just felt like if you had given him the minutes that Asensio had in this match, he probably would have done more. And on that note, just to, to go back to Benzema full circle for a sec. Uh, again, I just like how involved he was. We can talk about his lack of efficiency and the fact that he only scored two goals. Um, six shots, third most touches on the field, just there. He's just involved. Again, that's just a really good sign to me. Furlan Mendy, kind of like the quietest 72 touches from him I can remember. I don't, I don't have much <laughs> on him other than that maybe he was just up the field a couple times and Rudiger or Alaba or sometimes both had to cover for him. Um, didn't make a couple underlaps, but didn't really get the ball in those positions. Had one where he lost it in a dangerous position. Uh, do you have anything on him? Not really. I, I think it was an underwhelming performance from both our fullbacks. Yeah. Uh, more so Carvajal than Furlan Mendy. It's not that Mendy did anything wrong. It's just he wasn't very impactful. Um, I He did have an early like one, one, two where he kind of did an underlap. And um, I was like, oh, okay, here we're maybe we're seeing more from Mendy in the offensive third. He's, he's combining well today. Maybe we'll see that. But um nothing else really materialized from him in the game so <laughs> it was short-lived early on in the game but that was about it yeah um well i'm cooked matt i'm i'm uh i'm ready to pass out got a late night ahead of me in an early morning so i'm happy to wrap it here um happy new year buddy i'm really glad to get you back for one last pod um to round out the new year hope uh you guys are you guys doing anything for new year's you're just uh, chilling with the baby uh it's actually gonna be parents first night out okay um, okay three months so right. we we have a babysitter he's uh like i told you before the body is going to bed earlier now so he hopefully should be asleep the whole time we're gone for a couple of hours and uh one of our friends is doing like a murder mystery party where everyone has to like has been assigned a character and everything like that so uh we're doing that so i'm excited for i'm looking forward to it. it'll be it'll be nice to be a, a human again all right all right matt we'll see <laughs> back into the wild after three, three yeah. months of just being a dad to a newborn <laughs> and not sleeping have fun man yeah. that's awesome um yeah. Yeah. i guess uh just to extend the well wishes to our listeners thank you for bearing with us for an incredible 2022 um uh, and not necessarily because of what we did but just because of what real madrid did um, it was an incredible Champions League run, one of the most memorable seasons of our lives. Um, you know, we were lucky to see it up close in person and just had a ball covering it and had a ball um, just interacting with you guys. We grew tremendously thanks to you guys. It's a big, big, big family now. The family has extended quite, um, quite large. It's a big circle. We have Discord now. You guys should get in on that action if you haven't already. And I guess our next podcast will be, what's New Year's Sunday? New Year's Day Sunday? Uh, yes. Yeah, we are not recording yeah. on Sunday, but I think Lucas and I will do something on January 2nd, and then we got the game on January 3rd. And uh, yeah, so we'll be back in a couple of days. Not that dramatic, but yeah. Just be safe, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Matt. Take care. Talk soon.
Thanks, Ken. Happy New Year. All right, guys, wanted to give a quick shout out to our patrons over on patreon.com slash managing Madrid and specifically a shout out to our $10 plus patrons because if you pledge $10 or more, you get a specific shout out on the podcast in addition to getting guaranteed responses to your questions. So shout out to these $10 plus patrons, Brandon Alvarez, Willie Reed, Will Sousa, Wei Pering, Tobias Arroyo Bacher, Talib Salhab, Tahmid Kalam, Sujai Wani, Sumanshu Singh, Sheikh Atiri, Shamil, Shabazz Sharapov, Sergio Arispe, Santos Solorzano, Samuli Justin, Samer Z, Said Mahad, Sai Mohan Sasi Kumar, Rodrigo Balmaceda, Rishi D, Phoenix, Peter Powell, uh, Patrick Odayafari, Oscar Barrera, Paulo Fierro, Nico Laxo, Nicholas Moller, Nick Ribeiro, Mowgli, MJ Diego, Michael Zinberg, Marin Myrtle, Martin Ridman, Magnus Lext, Logan Stahl, Leon Stavernakis, Kunal Tilakar, Crystal Glass, Kevin Rivera, Jose Cruz, John Fernandez, Jason Fitz, Ian Marley, Graham Gerard, Gary Cohut, Frederick Rantakiro, Frederick Sundros, Faisal Hamdan, S.A. Davisito, Eloy Enriquez, Edward Sossman, Daniel Williams, Con P, Christian Top, Christian Acosta, Charles Williams, Brendan Powers, Brandon Stevens, Ashik Bashar, Arnab Mukherjee, Armand Degashi, Armando L, Anirudh Singh, Ananya Kumar, Al, Azaz Hussein, Adrian Rios, Adar Zalukovic, Adam Dorsey, Varun, Fabian Moreno, and Daniel Smith. Thank you so much, guys. We love you so much. Appreciate you. And halamari.